hello, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the uh, iHealth channel. But today we also are featured on the Fit and the Fab channel, as well as iHealth Radio, as usual. And uh, we have a different spin and, of uh, course, another different guest with a different topic. And our guest today is uh, a special guest because he's also an author of a book. We've had authors, but, but he is also a sports person who worked for a few years with the St. Louis Cardinals. And we'll, we'll talk about that experience. Uh, so our guest is David Meyer, and uh, he is a physical therapist doctor. And obviously that is where his expertise is, and that's where he's been with the Cardinals. And since then, I mean, he's uh, inspired a lot of folks <laughs> and helped them, you know, through their, uh, I guess, physical fitness. And of course, you know, what, what happens with fitness typically there's also injury. And so, so we will talk about all that. So without any further ado, I want to turn it to our dear guest, David here. Uh, Dr. David, uh, tell us a little bit about, first of all, yourself, and then the little bit of, you know, your experience, and we'll take it from there. Thank you so much again for having me on the show. It's great to be on so many different channels of yours and uh, help out and inspire so many different people that experience injuries, both mentally and physically. So uh, it's an honor to be here. And uh, you're Although you're in New Jersey, you're not quite New York. I won't hold that against you too much. And uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to be here. So thank you so much for that. Um, my background. So I, you know, by trade, I'm a physical therapist. And I say that tongue in cheek because I've gone quite, quite a bit away from the typical and traditional physical therapist role. I graduated from NYU in 2012, with my doctor in, doctorate in physical therapy. And my dream was to work in professional baseball. That was uh, the dream growing up as a five foot, five and a half player. If you can't play, then the second best dream is to work there, right? So that quickly became the dream. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, I was in NYU walking through the hallways and I run shoulder to shoulder with my professor, who was a big mentor of mine, Kevin Weaver. And I ask him, hey, professor, how do I work in professional sports? And he basically looks at me and he says, well, you know, maybe you need to know the agents or this, that. And. I went on this journey of trying to figure it out and decipher it myself and uh, eventually achieved my dream to work for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was there that I realized and discovered that the mental side of injury athletes go through when they kind of experience an injury or, or even as a fitness enthusiast, when you're injured and you can't do what you love, it's a big identity crisis. And so we have to find ourselves and a lot of times it's a mental journey more than a physical journey. And uh, so that's what inspired me to write my book, Injured to Elite. Wow. Well, so so certainly, you know, when you were growing up, you said you were obviously an enthusiastic of baseball entirely and yeah. you wanted to play, but that didn't happen. I mean, I, I guess there's some some requirements for for, for high sports, <laughs> as you said. A little bit. But, yeah, but 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 you still made it because again, that is a dream come true. And yeah. uh, you know, we we often, you know, in fitness, you know, we try to keep people motivated about, you know, if you have a goal, set it, go after it, make it work. So, you know, you did set up a goal for you to be a part of the baseball world, and you did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you've also, I'm sure, you've had a lot of, uh, I guess, input and, and, and real impact on a lot of those players. Uh, again, as you stated, both mentally and physically. And so, so we can break it down in two categories, the, the mental piece and the physical piece. Now, yes. uh, there is no physical activity that doesn't come with pain. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if there is any, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we run, you know, there's something there, <laughs> your knees, whatever, um, you know, so, so baseball players, I mean, they go through a lot of, you know, scrutiny, a lot of training. Yeah, especially of, this wing of theirs. 
I mean, I, I I don't know about those those shoulder, you know, uh, 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 what do you call rotator cuffs, you know. But it, hurt, it hurts yeah. thinking about it, right? Uh, trust me, I I mean, I don't know if I can do it, and I've I've not really played baseball, so I don't know how it feels. I mean, I tried to swing a couple of times, didn't work for me. <laughs> but More but weights, it's well, it's a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean, it's but also it's physical, and also there's the pressure, right? Is that mental piece? Yeah. So yeah. what do you say to that part? I mean, as a player, how did you handle all that, you know, pressure that these folks have to go through? Yeah, that's a great question. So the difference working in a physical therapy clinic or your local gym performance center is uh, you, you're working with recreational uh, athletes where the stakes are high for that person, but not for every single person around them. In professional baseball, the stakes are very high, especially when you're with the St. Louis Cardinals. They're the Yankees of the National League. So or at least they were for a while. So you have the front office, you have your fellow athletic trainers, your fellow other uh, rehab professionals and their teammates. And everybody's kind of looking, judging and watching what's happening in every day. Even the cameras as you're walking out onto the field and they see me coming with Carlos Martinez and we're having a catch. And, you know, it's uh, it is a lot of pressure and it's a lot of pressure for the clinician. It's a lot of pressure for the uh, for the athlete himself, because they, their career depends on it and their identity depends on it. So when we think of a professional athlete, we think of the, uh, the sexy part. We think of the, uh, the Lamborghini. We think of the uh, three houses they have. We think of the, you know, the steak dinners that they're having multiple nights a week. But what we don't realize or think about is this identity that's been built around almost one singular thing, which is performing as an athlete. And what happens when they're injured is that they go through a severe crisis of who the heck am I? And, uh, you know, when they go through that, there's different ways athletes cope. Some athletes cope by turning to the negative things, the, the, uh, the things that kind of suck them in a bad direction, such as drugs, alcohol, uh, bad relationships, and uh, dangerous behaviors. And then some of the athletes just go through uh, denial. Some athletes go through a point where it's, you know, I, I can't be injured. I cannot be hurt, you know, this is my life. So I, I'm superhuman. And what happens with uh, both of those, those individuals is they really suffer. And so I was doing all the band work with the, the, the exercises for the rotator cuff, as you mentioned, and I, I was doing all the weights and uh, the manual soft tissue work that we all know and love. And there was a point to me, I actually had an athlete and he was sitting on the training room table and uh, he was a really, really great kid, um, minor league ball player, signed for a good amount of money. And he wasn't doing so great after his surgery. And he was sitting on the table and he was looking at, he was kind of looking down and, you know, you do training room banter, you know, you try and uplift the guys. And, um, you know, I just felt something was off and I, I didn't catch it. I didn't catch it fully because I didn't take him in my office and say, hey, man, what's going on? And uh, I just kind of brushed it off like he was having a bad day. And uh, later down the line, he did... Uh, he was severely depressed and it ended up being something where he, 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 uh, he did attempt suicide unsuccessfully, thank God. And uh, it was a point in time I, I said to myself, you know, I'm never going to miss this again. I'm not going to miss this opportunity to when the players there and they're at their worst, I, I call it, you know, time zero in my book, Injured to Elite, which is actually the initiation of triage in the emergency room. They call it time zero uh, in documentation or, or a science experiment. I realized this time zero event for the player is an immense opportunity for me as the clinician, as the PT, or whoever you are out there that's working with an individual to help them mentally and to first and foremost ask them, how are you? And number two, what can we do to make this experience better 
Forget about the bands for a second. Forget about the, uh, the bench press for a second. What's really most important when you're hurt is acknowledging that state that you find yourself in. And so this became my book, um, the, the framework of this mental side of rehab. And I now have a mission to essentially change the entire culture, no pressure, Dave, in the entire world <laughs> of, of how we, we view injury. And I think, um, I think it's picking up a lot of steam. I have a webinar with over 750 students uh, next week. And uh, they're all interested in my journey to the Cardinals and, and getting their dream job in sports. And I'm building an army. I'm building an army of clinicians behind me that want to change it, want to see uh, a difference in how we treat athletes, how we empower those less fortunate that don't have access to a David Meyer and also to the athletes that do have access to a David Meyer. What can we do differently to, to kind of evolve from bodybuilding.com, so to speak, to uh, to the you know the modern day and age of where rehab should be so so what are the steps i mean you, obviously there's a lot of trust factor here because you know you're in charge of these folks and their health yeah. and so yeah. so tell us a little bit about the steps that that will take to get somebody you know to that level yeah so you know in the book i just giving you a little breakdown of how i do it because this is essentially the steps um the first section of the book is all about the mind so i i call step one acknowledging the state that you're in so what do I mean by that? I mean, if you, if you look into some of the rehab programs out there, such as Alcoholics Anonymous, by, by no uh, mistake, step one of it is oftentimes awareness. So for me, with an injury, it starts, not that it's an addiction, uh, it's an external event that, that might have happened, but it's internalized. Step one is acknowledging the state that you're in, meaning what just happened? Where am I at? Taking inventory figuring out where, where you lie, you know? Um, and then step two is taking ownership. So I described step two as taking the driver's seat. Uh, there was, you know, the most uh, amazing podcast I heard with Tony Robbins and Yuri Levine, the event, inventor of the Waze application. And he talks about all his data points. The first iteration of Waze in, in Tel Aviv was an awful application. All it did is had, you know, showing the tra traffic patterns of, of cars in what directions they were going as they try to figure out the different roads. And I think of that early on in the rehab process of collecting your data points. But the only way you can do that is by taking ownership. If, you're, if, if your clinician, your doctor, your surgeon, especially them, if you allow them to have full control, then you collect no data points on your own. You collect no awareness of where you're at. So step two is taking ownership. So those are the first two steps. And then we work more into the vision and the intention and the affirmation steps. You can't, you know, he, who he or she who aims nowhere goes nowhere. So if you don't have a direction or as you said so, so perfectly, if you don't have a goal, then it's really tough to have a direction. So then step three becomes, where do you wanna go now? Do you wanna go back onto the field? Do you wanna be the same? Well, if you wanna be the same, that's gonna be a really tough thing because your tissue is different now. So you either have an opportunity to evolve and grow or to wither away. So the intention should always be focused on growth. And what I discovered was a flexible mindset or a growth mindset that Carol Dweck talks about and Angela Duckworth in the book Grit talks about is the difference maker. I noticed certain athletes went all the way up and they rose to the occasion and they became great through injury. And then the majority of the athletes fizzled out and we see them. Tiger Woods is a perfect example. We saw him struggle so much after injury, 
we didn't really appreciate what he was going through mentally until the special came out on, on HBO, but to see him grow through it and now hitting again and winning championships, that's a growth mindset. So the athletes that succeed have this ability to find adversity as a challenge to grow and to mold and be on the potter's wheel. Um, so that step three is really important because that's where we get the negative self-talk. We start having that self-dialogue of, well, I'm never going to be the same. I'm, I'm, I'm injured. And that's where the affirmation and the, the, I call them a positive thought vaccine. And I, I swear, I, I wrote this right <laughs> before the, right before COVID actually. And I, they're called negative thought viruses by my, some of my influencers, David Butler and Laura Mosley, who wrote a book called explain pain. But I thought of this idea with my mentor, John Denny, who uh, is a, a performance coach, we said, well, what about thought vaccines? What's a thought vaccine? Well, I said, sure, thought vaccine is an affirmation, an affirmative statement of health. I'm healing, I'm getting stronger, I'm gaining muscle, I'm gaining uh, you know, through this process. And bodybuilders know this really well. You wanna have the mind-body connection, thinking about the muscle as it's working. Well, when you're rehabbing and your ACL is torn, as silly as it sounds, yes, think about the ACL getting stronger. And I had a podcast episode, Dr. Mark Hutchinson out of the University of Australia, of Adelaide in Australia, who tells me, Dave, as a pain scientist, actually parts of our brain called the glial network, the non-neuronal structures, have a direct impact on our actual blood markers of healing immunity. So those out there that think it's hokey to think about healing, well, guess what? There's actual science and there's actual proof that our thoughts do help fight cancer. Our thoughts do help fight COVID. Our thoughts do help fight an injury. So if you're not doing it yet, now's the time to start thinking about what you're thinking. So, so the power of the mind over the body, I mean, it's, it's real and, 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 and the impact is, is, is tremendous. Ooh. Now, now in, in your world, you have to deal in two aspects. One, in general, before, so the preventative piece, right? Mm -hmm. When you're training people, at least you do in the rehab with folks, you know, the, mm -hmm. there's standard stuff that is just to keep them toned and ready. Sure. And, and then you have the, God forbid, an injury happens. Now you have to really get them back in shape. Yeah. Uh, so, so how those processes are, are they very you know, similar or are they different, yeah. you know, to, to the extreme, to the extreme? Oh, they're very different. Um, and most certainly if you're an elite athlete, you're going to get hurt. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's the oath you take. The, Randy Johnson, a pitcher with the, the Mariners and very successful, always he wrote a quote saying, it, you know, every pitcher is going to eventually get hurt. So it's, uh, it's just innate, the nature of, of athletics. And if you're a weightlifter, you're going to have that one injury. Uh, usually it's on a bench press or a squat, right? And so, uh, painful. <laughs> yeah, it is painful. And it's really frustrating because when you have your workout routine and that's your temple, that's your place of worship really for your body, that's a really tough thing. That's really tough not to be able to do what you love, especially when it's good for you. So preventative measures are very different because it has to be individualized. Every single human has some idiosyncrasies about how they move and how they think, and all these things affect their predisposition and propensity for an injury. So you need self-awareness. You need to know where your weaknesses are, and you need to address them to some degree in your program. So if you're going in the gym and doing your one rep maxes every single workout, and I know some of you are out there, which I'm not trying to say not to do that, but make sure you're doing some level of accessory movements throughout your week. What are you doing in between your sets of your squat? 
Are you working on some mobilization and some Kelly Sturette stuff? Are you uh, doing your own type of variation of a corrective exercise? And do you have somebody in your life, you know, in chapter, uh, in chapter four, it's uh, three, it's called, it's titled building your performance team. Everybody needs a team behind them. Every athlete, you know, you see a boxer go out onto the ring. How many people are behind that boxer? And you're like, who are these people? Well, some of them are hopefully their physical therapist. Some of them are their cut man. Some of them are their agent. And so you need your team. You're a boxer. You're going out on the ring. You need people behind you that are going to teach you and fill in the gaps and where you need to learn. So that's the preventative side. You need a team behind you. And you need to be the leader of that team. But from an injury management standpoint, like you said, again, really spot on, there are a lot of patterns that we see in human beings. And so unfortunately, there's a lot of constraints of healing early on. A lot of people follow a similar trajectory the first few weeks of an injury. I think where it really differs, <clears throat> excuse me, is the six weeks out when the standard healing usually occurs and the differences in the human being's biomechanical uh, you know, differences, meaning their, their anatomy, that's when you need, again, that clinician and your own self-awareness of where you're a little bit weaker. We'll take an example. We take a squat. A lot of people have certain spinal posture that create more of a propensity for back pain with squatting. And we think of, you know, we're on YouTube, so I'll explain, a little more of a lordotic curve in the lower back when we back squat puts more stress on the lower back. Maybe we want to front load the squat in that, in that, you know, in that situation versus backloading the squat. So that comes to the, the piece of knowing your body. But of course, the initial part of injury is going to have that inflammatory process that is so necessary to actually occur that we all run away from because we were taught in, in modern medicine that it's not a good thing when, in fact, we were given this uh, superhuman ability to heal through inflammation. And I think if we allow the process to occur a little more, we might find ourselves in better positions. So a lot of people are, are afraid to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's one, one piece to, to, to discuss. And then the other one is that a lot of people, when, when they're younger, mm -hmm. you know, really, they're not afraid to get hurt. They just don't Exactly. Care. <laughs> Invincible. Superman. Exactly. So, so, so how do we, you know, in, in your you know, experience, how do you kind of give advice to folks to, to understand that, Yes, you're young, your body is yeah. going to be resilient, but eventually it's going to give <laughs> right. and how to avoid that and not be afraid of it. Yeah, well, there's a quote, you know, for in sports psychology, you don't ever want to tell a race car driver to focus on the wall or else they're going to hit it. So we're, the idea here is not to be so there's a there's a there's a, an image I put in my book that you could see on YouTube here. This is called a, it's a bell curve of a, the mind body sensitivity. And on one side of the bell curve, I look at it as individuals that are under sensitive or meaning they have no, they, they, they're not listening to their body at all. And then on the opposite side of the bell curve, I look at it as people that are overly and they have a heightened awareness of their body. And they're the ones that are thinking about every little movement that they make. And so the rehab outcome, I look at on that other, that left side, the, uh, the Y axis, bringing me back to my stats classes and it basically, my findings are you want to be in the middle. You want to have the Goldilocks approach of just right amount of thought with it. So that's not an easy balance. And that is where the really good athletes separate themselves from some of the athletes that struggle to find their, um, find their, find their, their balance of when is too, when is it too much and when is it not enough? 
And I'm all about incremental progression. So if you're a youth athlete or you're, let's say you're a parent of a youth athlete and you know, your, your son or daughter is uh, 12 years old and last year they were on one or two teams and then next year, 13th birthday comes and they're on three sport and three, you know, teams. Are you pushing your child and are you pushing yourself too many marathons this year where you just upped that intensity too much and now your body has no ability to be used to that chronic workload, we call it. So now you have a, or you have an, a high acute workload when your chronic workload was much lower. So you want to build this slow and steady over time. And it, and it does start from a young age. And, you know, it's almost an, an adult, a, a high school athlete. If they didn't learn it as an adolescent athlete and a child athlete, they almost already missed the boat. So mm -hmm. if you're a parent out there, especially that's a fitness enthusiast, which I know you probably have tons of, make sure that you're getting started at a young age. I work with young athletes too, and I coach them. And I coach them from a mental performance side. And the biggest thing that I teach them is to become Dave Meyer for themselves. I want them to be better than I am to treat them in a year or two. And so the key really is to learn it at a young age. And if, and, and if you're not at that young age that we all wish we probably had a few more years, then it's never too late to start. And start by getting somebody you can trust that can, hey, that can break it down for you. It could be the trainer at your gym. It could be somebody like myself. It just needs to be somebody that you have a good rapport with that can give you some pointers of these are the things that maybe you should give a little attention to when you're weekly and then let it grow from there. Because like you said, I mean, injuries are inevitable and we all at some point in our career or, or life are going to push it hard and we're going to suffer a little bit physically, but it's okay. We're, it's the human experience. So. so Thank you, Dave. So, so I, I mean, it's funny you talk about parents and, and, and kids and, and activities. I, and I have no business doing it. I'm not a parent. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, but you, I'm sure you, you've come across, you know, folks yeah. that, that may have that. But I had actually an experience recently. My son actually broke his arm, and, uh, which is pretty common. Uh, but but mm -hmm. now there's that trauma piece, right? So, yeah. so it's like, you know, going back in, in a normal life, you know, everything that was like, I, you know, we're all afraid, like, you know, he's going to get hurt again. Sure. And so, so I'm sure whether it's an athlete, whoever it is, when someone gets injured, they have that trauma that they, they almost like trying to give up. That's it. Their life stops. Uh, you and, 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 you know, uh, your concept changes yeah. that mindset, right? Yeah, it does. It goes into the fear. So we all learned, um, anybody, I have a fear of flying. I don't like flying. <laughs> I don't mother, think anybody does, but <laughs> I, I know some people that do, and I, I don't trust them. It's like people that like it when it's cold. I don't trust them either. <laughs> but, uh, my, my, my mother, um, and that comes from me living in LA and Florida probably for a few years, but my mother was deathly afraid of flying. Uh, my father was sick, man. I should mention that I was inspired by all this because he had kidney disease. He had two transplants, first one wow. in the seventies, second one in, uh, in the two thousands. And then a few years later from the drugs, the immunosuppressives, he developed cancer and I uh, passed away actually the year the Cardinals and the Mets played the NLCS. And then I worked for the Cardinals and we grew up Mets fans. So strange story, but <laughs> my mother never flew because my father couldn't because he was sick and we were in New York. So Holidays were in New York. Washington, D.C. was a heck of a treat, let me tell you. Um, so um, my mother never liked to fly, and she had this fear. And after my father passed away, God willing, she, she found somebody. And he was a history teacher, and they traveled the world together. And she overcame her fear of flying. 
And my mother likes to tell me she's, she's not, you know, she's not the most progressive with everything, but she likes to tell me, you know, David, I was very much about mindfulness back in the day. And I'm like, really? And so she, even her and a lot of people are very intuitive with, you have to go into the fear. And I can't believe my mother broke through her fear of flying and she flew literally the world before COVID to Russia, to South America, to all over. And she did it, I believe, by doing one small thing, going into it. She literally went into the fear. So it's so tough. It's not an easy thing. And I'm not trying to belittle the process. But for your son and for you, for the family and for everybody, you do have to take a second not to – there's a quote that my mentor always says, if you resist, it will persist. So instead of fighting the pain and fighting it and fighting it and pushing it and denying it, take that breath. I call it a reset breath. And we go into it a little bit. And I want to share it with everybody. So the first step is taking a heart-mind focus. Okay, so we have the 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 fear of the the fracture in our arm, and we're going to re-break it if we uh, maybe have a baseball catch or shoot a basketball or, or do some weight training. And and you as the parent too has that. And I want you to take a second. We just bring our heart our heart mind focus, so our mind around our heart. We just work on letting the thoughts pass by it, like Andy Potacombe with Headspace talks about, right? Just let the thought pass by, right? Okay, good. So now we're focused on being present. And it's okay if it's a little difficult, but that but we're just focusing on that with our intention. And then the second step of the reset breath is a really good breath through the nose. So we go in through the nose and out through the mouse, I call it, the mouth. <laughs> and and we um and we we are blowing our the air out through pursed lips like we're blowing a candle out. So let's do it all together. We go. And as we're exhaling. Don't say I'm hokey in New York. Don't say I'm hokey in New York. Gratitude. Thank you. This is LA for you guys and girls out here. This is what LA did today. We think we'd be grateful. My arm is healing. I'm getting stronger. I'm coming back. It's okay. And it, it's that simple. It's that simple. If we reprogram our thoughts on a daily basis, guess what's going to happen? It's going to build this muscle, just like our tricep, just like our bicep, and eventually it gets stronger. And sure enough, over time, we break through the resistance and that early uh, struggle we have of feeling like we're in the bottom of the hole. That's where it starts. And it's certainly not easy. And I always get a little bit, uh, last thing I'll say, I get a little bit um, uh, nervous when, I, when somebody asks me, well, Dave, have you had that injury? And I say, no, actually, I haven't. So I don't want to belittle what you all might go through or your son goes through. It is scary. It's real. Um, but this is, I, I believe, and I've seen with my own two eyes, this is the best path forward. Well, I mean, true. I mean, injury is, is it's hard because you, when you have it, that's, I mean, it's you people around yeah. you may, may see it, may see how you're going about it, but they don't feel it. So it's a little different, no. but understanding the dynamics now, yeah. your deal, you've, we've talked about mind, we've talked about body, but now yes. there is also, you know, is there any nutritional you know piece of you know for this this game because i mean oh yeah you just can't just get better with uh with, with exercise and, and maybe mm. just be in focus but also mm. there's got to be a treatment something that you have to take yeah uh, not necessarily medication but like even food you know to help you re heal and get better oh it is medication it is absolutely medication this is where eastern practices are picking up steam like we couldn't believe uh we need to western medicine is ailing western medicine is failing 
And, and, it's, and I think the part through COVID where Western medicine has failed is this piece of nutrition. It's exactly what you're talking about. And that is where nutrition comes into play. We all know about inflammation and we all want to control it. But even beyond that, I think a lot of people want the fancy recommendations that I can give them. I'll give a, I'll give a quick one. So tart cherry juice has a lot of research on it. Tart cherry juice, we all know, has a lot of riboflavins. It's a strong antioxidant. Uh, but there's a lot of studies that it decreases post-muscle workout soreness doms. It increases uh, quality sleep. It decreases inflammation. And there's there's higher there's decent studies out there, not just some hokey research article. This is actual scientific peer-reviewed journals that have showed this. So there's things like that out there that you know, on top of curcumin and turmeric and things like that that we want to be aware of instead of just popping the Advils because there's deleterious effects of ibuprofen of NSAIDs. NSAIDs crush the stomach and the gastrointestinal tract. They're really, really, now hold on, pause. I'm not a physician. I'm a physical therapist. If your doctor is prescribing a medication, you need to have the conversation with him or her. And again, in my book, in, the, in one of my chapters titled Conversations with Professionals, it teaches you how to have a more impactful conversation with your physician. So talk to her about your nutrition and about your medications. Don't just, you know, don't just take it upon you to, to make these decisions because it can be a lot when you trust Dr. Google. But the point I want to make to your population with Fit to Fab is get the fundamentals right. I was a, a pseudo bodybuilder from the ages of 19 to 24 before PT school gave me something. <laughs> a little more than the gym. And between those years, I was 180 pounds, 8% body fat, and I'm five foot five. So you could imagine my numbers where I was on a bench press, you know, lifting a hundred, uh, I'm sorry, hundred, 335 pounds for two reps. So I was really, really strong for my size. The biggest thing that built the muscle as a natural bodybuilder, I never took anything beyond creatine, never took any growth hormone or, or testosterone, which I personally feel very strongly about. Um, but there are indications for it for sure. Um, get the fundamentals, right? If you're not getting your macros down, I, I'm a believer in some of the basics. If you're not getting your macros down well, then that's going to impact your healing. For instance, ketogenic diets. Look, if you're not giving yourself basic carbohydrates as fuel during rehab, oh, I once had, I had a few ball players that were coming in in the mornings and they, and they were on either a keto or they were on a fast intermittent fasting and they come into the, the training room or the PT clinic and they'd be like, yeah, Dave, I'm not eating. So I think I got to get going and I got to go uh, get my food in at one o'clock. And I, and I say to him, I say, listen, are you getting the most out of the session with me right now? And are you, are you putting ketosis underneath having an effective rehab session with me? Because then that's a problem. Now we're buying into herd mentality of what you need to be doing, and you, you just didn't individualize your own program. So come on, man. Come on, let's let's go. If you're a ball player, you got to do better than that. So I believe that you really need to make sure you're putting your body and your needs first. So get the carbohydrates in, get them from a low glycemic index carbohydrate that's complex. Don't make a blanket statement that you can't put a carbohydrate in your body because then you're not going to be able to rehab properly. So I look at it that way. I look at it a little more fundamentally, I think. No, well, I think, I think that's pretty uh, deep advice. I mean, pretty <laughs> complete, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and again, I mean, you obviously know what, what the impact is and, and certainly yeah. the results will vary if, 
like everything else, right? If you if you mm. cheat yourself, you know, and and and, and cut corners, the, the results will never be exactly as you expect, right? Sure, so, sure. It is important to always, you know, make sure. And and to your point, in our world, because again, we have the fitness piece. Uh, yeah, my people, favorite piece. We, I, I get a lot of discussion. We get a lot of these questions about, you know, nutrition, diet, this. I need to build a muscle. What do I have to do? Blah blah blah. I I hurt my back. You know. And it's all about the three fundamentals you just mentioned. So yeah. mind, you know, the body, and of course, the, what, what the intake is. What are you yeah, doing the to the body? Yeah. Um, so, so David, um, the book, Injured to Elite. Yeah. So I think you, you kind of you alluded to it, you know, lightly about, you know, the concept. Now, the, the, the title itself, the part that takes you to the elite. Let's, let's talk about that, that, that ideology. Yeah, so this is the cover right here. And for those on the radio, you can't hear, but you can't see that well, because I'm sorry, it's, I, I need a better web, webcam, but it's at Astoria Park um, oh, nice. in Queens, one of my favorite parks. I really wanted the gritty, I wanted the urban element, being a New Yorker from Brooklyn. And um, it's actually me twice in there. So I'm squared. It's Dave squared cheering himself on. So everybody sees it like, oh, that's cool. Someone's running. I'm like, no, no, that's me. That's me <laughs> cheering myself on. So the whole idea behind the injured to elite is you're taking yourself there. And the guidebook, the book here is, is your, your guide that you need to read to guide yourself. It's it, a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life after injury. So, you know, I was a little weird about the word elite because at first I'm like, this is a powerful title. And then, you know, I thought about actually my heritage and I thought about the word elite and um, you know, I, I come from a Jewish household and, uh, I, I'm not really the biggest about the word elite, actually, an elitist mentality and uh, elitism. I actually don't like it at all. I'm, I'm more about just, you know, being your best self. But, I, you know, the word really means to be your best self as a whole. And I think it's an ever going, ever lasting process of, of self-actualization. But if I put that in the title, I think a lot of people <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't really get it. Uh, and so it's a process of self-actualizing. It's the process of finding your higher purpose. And there's no mistake about it that the last chapters in my book are about your higher purpose. So no longer are you just the athlete that is returning back to the field. I want you to feel purpose. When you're back in the gym and you're exercising in this newfound uh, situation you find yourself in, I want you to find a deeper sense of purpose in your career, in your relationships. What changed through this process and how can you take that change as fuel to better your entire life, to better the people around you? Who are you gonna take under your wing to help them when they experience an injury, whether it's mental or physical? So for me, elite is really synonymous with higher purpose. And it's not, it's a little bit of a misnomer. It's not having the biggest muscles. It's not having the washboard abs. It's, it's really, it's not having the contract with, as an athlete. It's being a human being of service to others and uh, really carrying out the, the, the goals in your, in your life and accomplishing them. Hey, uh, that's the free Strong stuff. <laughs> so, so I hope David, so. Oh, it is. It is powerful. So, David, you do have a podcast too, right? Yes, I do. It's called the Injured Too Late Podcast. Very original, Dave. Um, and uh, you could find it where you find your podcasts. And it, they're starting to pick up steam. The podcast. It's been a real fun journey. I like being on camera, but I also I really like uh, not being on camera sometimes too, <laughs> and talking. 
Um, I don't have it. I love what you have in the backdrop there. That might be next for me getting something like that. But uh, yeah, the podcast is all about sharing stories of those have, that have gone on their journeys. I had stories from people that uh, I had a world renowned DJ, DJ Mateo, who was, you know, he was the go to hip hop DJ in the 90s and 2000s in LA and New York and doing all the big shows, he was friends with DJ AM. And then he found himself with a flesh eating bacterial infection that where he lost his leg just going for a swim in Miami and he still surfs he still is is doing his thing uh and so I've had podcasts from that to uh stories of sexual assault from uh division one college volleyball player and her overcoming that and now working on becoming a professional beach volleyball player and stories of professional athletes like Matt Holiday, Ryan Sheriff, Daniel Bard one of the biggest comeback stories of the year and so the podcast is really just about putting the spotlight on other people with that sharing my mentality uh, and, and, and the story. So uh, I'm not that quite there yet like you have, and I, and I aspire to get my channels amped up, and 2021 is going to be a big year for me, so I'm excited. Well, now you're doing it. Don't, don't ever say that you're not. You're already <laughs> doing it. And, um, and, and again, from this platform, um, anybody, please feel free to check out the podcast, listen to it, and it's always good. Uh, I, I, I would say this, you know, whatever show or, 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 or uh, talk show or visual or podcast you listen to, you can pick up a few things that you can add to your arsenal and ammo for life, and that can change who you are. And Absolutely. You know, all the, all the, the, the energy <laughs> and the stamina and the fuel for life. And um, so, so uh, just we're coming to the end of the show, but a uh, couple, what would you say to young people right now that are aspiring just as you were a few years back and, you know, and, yeah. and you did deliver your, your promise to yourself and your, and you got to the dream that you wanted to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. 35. If I, you know, where I'm at now, the speed limit on most streets in Long Island. When I look back to, <laughs> when I look back to the age under, you know, it really started when I was 17, 18, but what I'm going to tell all of you out there that are the youngins, Rudy was my favorite movie. Rocky, Rudy, all those good things. If you have a dream or a vision to be the next surgeon to change the world or to be a politician or to be a professional athlete, I'm going to tell you this simple thing. Don't for one minute think that it's the skill or it's the genetics that's going to be in the way of that. There are many individuals out there that were just as disadvantaged as I felt and as disadvantaged as you might feel to accomplish the impossible. And I can't say it better than Will Smith, right? Will Smith says, if, I was on a, if I'm on a treadmill and someone is on that treadmill next to me, either two things are gonna happen. Either I'm gonna die running on that treadmill or I'm gonna run outrun you. If you youngins keep that mentality, all I'm gonna tell you is this, it's not maybe gonna happen next year, it might, it might not. It might not happen in five years. But if you keep the mentality of grit and perseverance and passion, you are going to do every single thing you ever wished to do. I promise you that. I mean, I, I cannot top that. <laughs> that is, that is, I think, the strongest message that, you know, that someone can get, you know, on, on, on a morning. <laughs> ah, well, that's it. I did it. And, and it could be, a, they're literally the, the life changing you know, event or quote right now for someone listening to this. So, so that is powerful. And um, 
so so with that, I want to you know just guide everybody that the book is available. I think on Amazon, eBay, yeah. and other. It's uh just type in at this point. Type in injured to elite David Meyer. Injured to Elite, uh, you're going to find me. Instagram, please check me out. Dave M. Meyer, that's D-A-V-E-M-M-E-Y-E-R. I put a lot of my heart and soul every day putting up good content for all of you. And uh, I think you'll really get a better taste of some of my specific strategies that I give you. So check me out on Instagram. You'll learn all about me. And you'll, you'll get annoyed with me shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's very powerful stuff. So, so David, I, I want to thank you on behalf of, of the channel, myself, as well as you know the audience. And listeners, uh, thank you for, for the time. And, you know, really, I mean, I'm, I'm sure your time is very valuable. And, and, and we are on Saturday. <laughs> just a and, week, just a Saturday with the fiance, enjoying the weekend, the cold weather, get some good breakfast after this. All right. Well, listen, thank you for joining us and for the, the, the valuable advice here. And uh, definitely, um, you know, check it out. Check out the podcast. Check out the actual book. Uh, and again, put the description on, on David's background, as well as, his book, uh, please check out the description on the show. Uh, whether YouTube, Facebook, whatever you see this this particular broadcast, you know, take a look at it and then uh, contact David for more. And <laughs> you know, uh, that's about it. So on behalf of the uh, iHealth channel, I had radio, the Fit and Fab channel, Hurricane H here. Thank you very much for watching and listening. And we'll talk to you at the next show. Ciao, ciao.